The most exciting thing about the Cincinnati Reds in 2023 comes down to three players. We're going to tell you exactly who those three players are on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and coming up here in a moment, Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 and 700WLW will join me as we were live at Fretboard Brewery on Monday night talking about the Cincinnati Reds. This is actually part two of our conversation. If you missed part one, make sure you go check that out after you're done listening to this. But basically, the theme of the night was why the Reds are better this year, and it starts with the most exciting part of this team and it comes down to three players. We're going to get into that. We're also going to look at, you know, what could uh, Alexis Diaz intro look like? And, I mean, Edwin Diaz is out for the year. Could it be his brother's? Probably not. I don't think he's going to copy that. But anyway, we're going to get into all of that here on today's edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube. Click subscribe and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you because we love talking Reds every single day, Monday through Friday, with you. Make sure you also jump into the comments section or hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Jeff Carr with three F's, and you can find Steve, my co-host, who will be back with us tomorrow, uh, at S. Offenbaker with two F's. All right, let's jump into the conversation, continue, and conclude with Mo Egger. What is the most, what are you most excited for this season? Excited is, this is a little bit double-edged. Do the Reds have, you know, people are going to say, do they have uh, uh, Avery, Smoltz, and, and Glavin? Right. Not fair. Two of those guys are in. Nobody ever has. Two of those guys are in Cooperstown. Right. But, you know, the Braves suddenly got good in 1991. It's true. You know, they had Terry Pendleton and Dave Justice, and, but Mark Lemke, but they had Avery, Smoltz, Glavin. Um. I'm really interested in do those three guys make more than a leap? Mm-hmm. Do you like the changeup? Yeah. For Hunter Green? Because yeah. that was something that we yeah. came into spring training saying he needed, mm-hmm. and we've seen it. The way those three guys kind of finished spring training was very interesting. So, look, we said in May of last year, this – as down as everybody is, as down as I am on the Reds as an organization, to, to be quite frank, what you cannot deny is there's foundational trio. Mm-hmm. Didn't have that in 2015, 16, 17, 18. Did not. Nope. Now, eventually acquired Luis Castillo and then signed Sonny Gray. But, I mean, for years it was, well, this isn't going to turn until they have starting pitching worth building around. Now they've got it. So we expect each of those players or each of those pitchers to get better but what if each of those guys does more than just get better? Now, the other side of that is, boy, what if at the end of the year you're like, holy hell, those are three studs. They will have wasted a what year, a good year yeah. of those three guys collectively being yep. a really good trio when they're really, really cheap. And that's something I talked about a lot late last summer. Like, if you think those guys are legit and you think those guys are ready to take a big leap, well, why not build a better team around them? And you could do it 
without it costing you a bunch of prospects. Right. You could sign some, some dudes off the street. Um, but those three guys, even in the darkest of days last year, I could watch Hunter Green and feel like, boy, this, this guy's going to be really good. And I could watch Nick Lodolo. I thought Nick Lodolo last year, his best was better than anybody else's best. Yep. And Graham Ashcraft at times last season was exceptionally fun to watch. They have three of those guys. Um, and if you go, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates or, you know, w- w- the, the Detroit Tigers who have been bad for a few years, um, if you go around the sport and find teams who are likely to not be very good, how many of them have three guys like that? Right. With a year of big league ball under their belt, with their individual and collective upside. So easily for me, the most exciting thing is watching those guys. But I'm afraid that those guys are going to be so good that I'm going to say, awesome, you wasted a year yeah. of three high-end pitchers under team control who are cheap. And I think that there's an element of, I'm okay if we're talking about you wasted a year of goodness at the end of the season for those guys, because I think this is what that year is for. We're trying to figure out if these guys are worth going out this next offseason when the Reds have no guaranteed money on the books mm-hmm. and building around those three players. And I think that they can find Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson to build around. Maybe this is a year that they figure some more out about Spencer Steer because we don't know a ton about Spencer Steer. Right. I like what I've seen so far, but I think that they can be a lot better. And, and, and for this offseason, can you go out and support those guys because they also have their ace of the bullpen and Alexis Diaz. Mm-hmm. How do th- how does it fill out behind him? Do the guys who are hurt come back healthy in yeah. Tony Santian and Lucas Sims and TJ Antone, which we already got, you know, uh, unfortunate news for Sims that he's starting the year on the IL. Mm-hmm. We knew TJ Antone would. Tony Santian's still a bit of an enigma. He's going to start the year on the IL as well. Right. But overall, this year is about finding out who the core is, and I think that the start of that core is those three guys. And, and Graham Ashcraft's saying all the right things, too. And I feel like we so often focus on Green and Lodolo. Graham Ashcraft, this spring training, has been striking guys out at an amazing clip, and that was what he said coming into the year. He's like, I need to be better about that. That's mm-hmm. not something that I ever focused on in my career. And if he takes that next step – and these guys stay healthy, it's going to be easy for this team to hit the over. You have three guys with a lot of talent and a great pitching coach. That's a pretty good combination. I mean, like, I, I, these are things that oftentimes a lot of people don't want to admit. But the other thing for me, it's, it's not that different from what got me through last summer. I mean, let's be honest. It's Ellie De La Cruz, man. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, unfortunately, he's not going to start the season healthy, and he's not – going to be in Cincinnati, and understandably so, but, I mean, Ellie De La Cruz highlights on Twitter last summer made the summer remotely bearable, and then I get on folks like Keith Law, who writes, he could be the best player in the sport, like, you know, like, sometimes you have to take into consideration, like, where does the hyperbole come from? We're not talking about, like, a hot take artist. He wrote that in The Athletic, Keith Law who's typically pretty measured. He's like, this guy could be the best player in the sport. As most Reds fans think, he hates the Reds. So Right. And so I got him on my show, and I'm like, uh, elaborate on that. And he did. He wholly believed there's no chance he should start the season at the major league level, right. which is, is fine. But, you know, I, 
it's we're in a little bit different era, but I remember in 2007 and 8 you could follow along with Joey Votto and Jay Bruce's games. Mm-hmm. Homer Bailey starts. It's a little bit different. Twitter wasn't really a thing. Right. But <clears throat> games weren't streamed and they weren't as available as they are now. But you could still like in real time look on the internet and go, oh, Jay Bruce had a double and, you know, walked. And uh, it's the eighth inning and he's coming up. You know, that sort of thing. Well, now you can do it. You can watch the games. You can pay attention. You can follow in real time. That's fun. Yes. Now, is it more fun to watch them here when they're in the thick of a pennant race? Yeah. But if you care about this team, you're going to be consuming the Reds with one eye on what's coming down the road, which we've done before. I mean, Homer Bailey starts in, in AAA. We're an event. Right. And Johnny Cueto's were. And Aroldis Chapman's, you know, outings in the minor leagues, were, they were events. Yeah. And, and Bruce and Votto, Bruce more so than Votto, quite frankly. He was a more highly touted prospect. But, like, we did that and we got excited about that. It was held up against the backdrop of a different feeling about ownership. But it's not that dissimilar. And those games and those highlights are easier to consume than ever. You could watch Ellie De La Cruz play baseball. If you want, you could watch Matt McClain and CES play this year. And so watching their progress, I'm looking forward to that. Who are you picking between Jose Barrero and Nick Senzel? We're going to discuss that coming up next. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is LinkedIn. Small businesses continue to rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires because they help you do it faster and for free. Check them out at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB today to post your job for free. LinkedIn offers so many different tools, whether you're talking about screening questions, whether you're talking about the purple hashtag hiring frame that lets your LinkedIn circle know that you're hiring so that LinkedIn can then help you get the candidates you want to talk to right in front of you faster. And they do it all for free. Check them out today. It's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. You can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. There are terms and conditions that do apply. Starting Wednesday, get ready for opening day and the Major League Baseball season like only Locked On MLB can do for you. We have six shows, a six-part series previewing each division with our local and national experts. They're going to bring you all of the insight you need to know to get you ready for every single Major League Baseball team. That's Locked On MLB. Check it out today on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. I'm all in on Ellie De La Cruz coming up at some point this season. I wonder, though, if this injury kind of pushes that back because sure. there's, yeah. there's the whole, and I forget what the acronym is for it, but it's the incentive for teams to bring up a player within the first two weeks of the season. And if they get votes and if they finish in the rookie of the year campaign, mm-hmm. then they have the ability to earn extra draft picks yes. based on you know further – awards that they might they're, they're earn. trying to disincentivize service time manipulation so he is obviously not going to be called up in those first two weeks do you think that that pushes him back to september maybe i don't know i mean he's an otherworldly talent so i wouldn't bet against him i that 
That I don't know. But you, you mentioned something that I think is important. It's the service time manipulation thing. Yeah. Which I think is the most dramatically over thing played in baseball. Yeah. Because if a guy is any good, you're going to lock into him long term. Now, yeah. maybe the Reds won't because they're going to align payroll to resources. And if he's not any good, you're not. Like, doesn't it seem silly that we wondered this about Nick Senzel? Yep. We're still trying to figure out if that dude can play. Kind of feels like this is his last year, too. Feels like it's his last hurrah. Yeah. It feels like this is... And he's starting the year on the I.L. as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of feels like it's put up or shut up time for, for Nick. Do you think we get a bigger season from Nick Senzel or Jose Barrero? Well, Jose Barrero had a really good spring. Right? <laughs> yep. Here's the thing. I know one thing about Jose Barrero. I know he can pick it at shortstop. Yep. I don't know if that's where his long-term home is. I know he can pick it at shortstop. What do we know about Nick Senzel? (laughs) He made his major league debut in in May of 2019. Think about how long ago that was. Right. That was forever ago. And last year was the year he played the most games out of any season. Yeah. And we I, still know nothing about I still don't. I, there's one thing. I don't know if he could hit. He had a very good spring. Yep. I know he can pick it in the field. Yep. What do I know about Nick Senzel? And I like the, I, I like the reported changes. I do think that Jose Barrero wins this argument as far as what we see, yeah. who has a better year. The thing with Nick is, yeah. I, would, I, I just, for his sake... I'd love for him to have a chance to play baseball for six months with no injuries. I, 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 I would love, yeah. for his sake, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for him. I would love for him to be able to say, here are what my abilities are. No, well, he's not healthy. Here's what I can do. Here's where I can play. Here's what my strengths are. And judge him. You, we haven't been able to judge him solely on how good he is or how bad he is. It's always right. been injury or moving a position. I'd love for him to have a chance to show us what he can do. And that's not his fault, but it is a part of the conversation. The injuries have kept us from being able to see over the course of a full season. COVID had something to do with that as well. But over the course of a full season, what is it? I mean, and he, I, was, he was the fifth overall pick in the draft. He's not a Right. A and you're not player. just going to discard him that yeah. quickly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know they've been playing him in the infield, and David Bell has talked about, you know, the ability to move around the field is going to be super important for him moving forward. I, I wonder if we've seen the end, especially with Jose Barrero working out in center field, with Will Benson coming in. I wonder if we've seen the end of his candidacy as this team's center fielder. It feels like it, but I'm not willing to give up on the idea of him being a useful big leaguer. No, yeah. And I want, I'd I love for him to have a chance to show whether or not he could be a useful big leaguer. Look, if, if you could play, it, 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 you're, they're, they're going to find a spot for you. Exactly. And so can he play? I don't know. With Barrero, I know he could play one part of the, the game. You know, whether, again, whether that's his permanent home or not remains to be seen. It's yeah. one part of the game I know he could play. I think overall – my most excited part about this season is figuring out what Alexis Diaz entrance is going to be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't think he copies his brother and does some sort of trumpets <laughs> thing or something like that. Like it's going. T- Timmy Trumpet. Well, unfortunately, his brother can't pitch. 
Yeah. So we could bring Timmy Trumpet to Cincinnati. We could do that. Yeah. The, the biggest part about his entrance, though, and it's kind of a bummer, is that the crowd gets into it so much. Sure. And there's not going to be that much of a crowd well, for him to play with. Okay. <laughs> What's baseball doing now? Speeding everything up. Yeah. Okay. So here's where the Reds can be out in the forefront of things. Okay. Bullpen cart. Yeah. Right? I love that. When I was a kid, not at Riverfront for the most part because like the bullpens hat. were down the third and first baseline. Yeah. But bullpen cart with a cap. So if you really want to speed up the game, all right, you're done throwing. Let's go. Jump in. So <laughs> the entrance, the Reds should be out in front of this and say, our relievers are coming out via bullpen cart, and we're going to be on the forefront of – we're going to speed up the time it takes for a pitcher to get ready. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still going to bang in there eight minutes of commercials between innings, but that should be the entrance. Bullpen cart. Is the bullpen cart Redzilla? No. No. <laughs> that shoots T-shirt. Uh, a bullpen. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised because the Reds like to throw a logo on everything. Yeah. The damn ballpark looks like a NASCAR. So bring out a cart, throw eight sponsors on it, bring them out there, let's go. I'm done with that. Right? I'm, I'm excited. Like, do you think he's going to continue? Because there was a lot of numbers that seemed to point to him getting lucky last season. Do you yeah. think he's going to continue what he did last season? The, the luck numbers are impossible to ignore Yeah, if you're into such things. Um, and he allowed a lot of hard hit balls that ended in the gloves of, of – uh, <laughs> Which is hard to say about this defense because they weren't doing that for yeah. many pitchers. Um, he was a revelation last year. Let's see if he can build upon it. Again, who's he in the way of? What I, yeah. what I was hoping for in all candor is, is, is I was hoping there would be a bit of a competition for the closer gig between Antone, Sims, and Diaz. Yes. And whoever lost it was going to set that guy up, and that'd be pretty good. But I watched Alexis Diaz last year. I saw a guy who had pretty electric stuff. I saw a guy that you thought, this guy could be a part of the solution moving forward. Yep. Um, and again, who's he in the way of? Now, is he going to have enough chances to close games? But if it doesn't work with him, we'll try somebody else. But I mean, I saw enough last year to make Connor me feel Overton like that and Luis Sessa were inevitable. We're going to tell you why coming up next. Plus, we're also going to look at what Rob Manfred got right. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltMarchMadness.com and vote for your favorite bar or puff. All March long, we are building out the bracket, and we are finding out what the best Built Bar or puff is. For my money, it's going to be Churro Puff. It's got the cinnamon. It's got the marshmallow. It's absolutely amazing. And you can support your favorite bar or puff today at BuiltMarchMadness.com. I mean, you know all about Built They've got the amazing taste. They've got the amazing macros. They've got the statistics like an MVP caliber player, and it's going to absolutely far exceed any protein bar you've ever tasted. Check them out today. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Vote for your favorite bar. Be entered to win a free box or a possible year subscription of Built Bar. That's BuiltMarchMadness.com. And while you're there, pick up a box today. Don't miss tomorrow's episode as Ethan Smith from the Locked On Pirates podcast joins us for a crossover preview of opening day. There's sure to be lots of trash talk had as he and Steve have a bet 
based on the opening day game. You're not going to want to miss that. Check us out tomorrow. That's Locked On Pirates and Locked On Reds crossing over. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. One of the things I kind of want to conclude on, because we're getting toward the end here of the show, is that, um, and we've been here at Fretboard getting to talk about some Reds live, getting ready for opening day. The pitching staff, the starting rotation, Mm -hmm. the final two guys. We talked about the top three. The final two guys of Connor Overton and Luis Sessa. Breaking camp with those two dudes. It kind of feels like they just sort of threw darts at a board of guys who had big league playing time and said those are the two guys. I think that would have been the case no matter who they chose. Right? But I... Because I liked Brandon Williamson. I thought he should have broke sure, camp with the team. I would have been okay with that. Yeah. But neither guy really moves the meter, right? Yeah. Yeah, neither guy really moves the meter. Connor Overton. Seven career starts. Yeah. Yeah. Luis Cecil was supposed to be a reliever. I think that's still his best option, too. Right. He wants team. to start now. Uh, yeah. His World Baseball Classic experience seemed weird. They didn't pitch uh, him very much. In no. Yeah. Um, Let's be honest. That's maybe the biggest question about this team. Yes. 40% of the team starts occupied by guys that you just don't know that much about, right? I would have preferred Brandon Williamson to get a chance to establish himself. There's also the goofy Justin Dunn situation, which I I, I feel for the year on the IL again. I feel for the kid because you talk about throwing darts. It feels like now we're just throwing darts. The same shoulder. Trying to figure out what's wrong with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the back end of that rotation is very uninspiring. It's going to be a revolving door, I think. They're going to have more than five guys start games this year. Yes. <laughs> well, they're going to need it. Yeah, I mean, only in... They're going to have more than five guys start games in April. But they're going to have yeah. more than five guys start <laughs> yeah. games this year. Yeah, even in 2012, they had six guys. But that's the who lowest... Is, who was the sixth? It, oh, man, I know this one. Who was the sixth? Arroyo, Leak, Cueto, Bailey, and Leto started. Todd Redman. 161 games. He Todd started, Redman. He started the front end of a doubleheader against the Cubs. Yep. I do remember, and that was the only reason that they needed him, because yes. it was a doubleheader. And then, of course, they get to the whole season healthy. Game one, Johnny Cueto, eight pitches. It, never, it, it will never happen again. We'll never go through an entire season where the entire five stay healthy. Yeah, and that's, stay I mean, healthy. it wasn't like it was 1984, but it, that's, you know, 11 years ago, the guys were going deeper into games. And right. so, yeah, those all year long, nobody missed a start. It's crazy. Well, Mo, I thank you so we're much. We're not going to talk about the rules? Oh, yeah. yeah My yeah, yeah. favorite thing? Yeah. People are mad about the rules. Let's be mad about the, the rules. The rule minute. changes. The game is shorter. Good. Here's I like what I don't too. understand. The people who are mad about the rule changes were the same people who like were like, ah, I just don't watch much baseball anymore. Okay. Well, they're going to change it. Well, I don't like it. Well, they're changing something you didn't like, so you're going to be mad that it's not what you didn't like? What was it? The average spring training game is down 30 minutes? Yeah. The, it's huge. The average red spring training game was two hours and 35 minutes. The shortest Red Spring training game last year was two hours and 35 minutes. <laughs> That's great. Look, yeah. look man, I, I enjoy making fun of Rob Manfred for a lot of things. You got that right. He's got this, he's, the World Baseball Classic they got right, yep. and they've got this right. 
move the game along, let's go. There should be less standing around. I'm a little skeptical that the banning the shift is going to lead to the results that everybody wants. Yeah. I love the fact that you can't throw over to first base a thousand times. I love the fact that we're emphasizing the stolen base. I love the bigger bases. I love the shortened uh, the, 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 the pitch clock. And by the way, players adjusted during spring training, and they will continue to adjust. You, you've had hundreds of players who have come through the minor league system with the pitch clock. They're going to get to the big league level having played with it. Is it going to lead to a whole bunch of people coming back to the game? Probably not. But is it going to lead to a game that moves faster, that has faster pace, that's not diverting your attention elsewhere? Terrific. Do this this year. Find a game from this past season. Once a few weeks of games have been played. And figure out a way to hold it up versus this year's product versus last year's. The amount of just garbage time where guys are doing nothing you got the pitcher standing on the mound. He's looking at the catcher, acting like the fate of the world is hinging on if he throws a slider. Batter's adjusting <laughs> his gloves, picking his nose. Catcher's standing up, kneeling. Let's go! Right. Sweet Jesus, can we... Can, like, I'm thinking of that game that the, the Reds the, the, played the Cardinals and it went five hours and it went into extra innings. Hunter Green pitched last season. Yeah. It was like a five-hour game and the Cardinals won in extra innings because I think Lars Newtbar hit a two RBI double. This sport, Major League Baseball goes back to 1869, okay? Mm -hmm. There's really only five places to throw a pitch. (laughs) High and in, high and outside, low and outside, low and in and down the middle. Pick a location, pick one of your three pitches and let's go. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the players will adjust. And you know what? They're going to like getting home earlier. They're going to like getting on the plane earlier. It's going to be great. Like, I can go all hardcore purist. You know what happened back in the day? The days that people romanticize about baseball? Watch a game from the 70s. In, in the 1970s, in 1974, the average game time was less than two and a half hours. Right. I watched a game on the uh, YouTube channel, This Is Where You Find Baseball, a 1988 Reds Pirates game. And Johnny Bench is doing the game with Marty Brenneman on TV. And Johnny's like, man, you know what you don't really see anymore? You don't really see any two-hour games. They were complaining the games were too long at two and a half hours. We're bleeding into three-hour, 25-minute territory. Right. So you want to go back to the way the game was played? More stolen bases, more action, and game played at a more brisk pace. I love what baseball is doing. And I think, and actually to piggyback and kind of finish up on this thought, the whole idea of the bigger bases, more base running, more steals. I had a bold prediction the other day. Reds have two players get 20 or more steals. Yeah, and look. What do you think about that? I, 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 Will Benson will get 20 plus. Yeah. We think India? Yeah. India that's that's my 20? two is okay. I got Indian Benson. Um, teams are going to have to pitch out again. There, yep. were, there were like more than a dozen teams last year that did not pitch out because guys aren't running. Right. So now what would be fun is watching teams address, adjust their strategy. You know what you're going to see a lot of? Catcher pickoffs. Oh, yeah. Pitchers can't Trying can to throw behind the runner. Pitchers can only throw over twice. Yep. Catchers can throw over after every pitch. So you're going to – those plays are kind of cool. You never see them, right? Right. You're going to see things in the game that kind of went away. You're going you're gonna to see – Pitchers and catchers have to figure out, okay, I've thrown over there twice. Now he's going to go. How do we get him? Great. You're going to see pitch outs, and then you're going to see hitters. Keith Hernandez, when I was a kid, used to do this. 
if you pitched out on him, he would throw the bat at the ball to protect the runner. That's small ball. That's the kind of baseball that people have complained has gone away. Mm. That's terrific. The catcher that I'm thinking of, because for some reason he always was the guy that I thought, okay, he's trying to throw behind the runner a lot. And congratulations for you making me think of Yadier Molina today. Yeah. So. I get to think but that's of but like okay if if more that those plays are exciting, mm-hmm. um, so you're gonna have more steals, you're gonna have less standing around doing nothing, less. Why does a hitter have to adjust his batting gloves? <laughs> I play 18 holes of golf. You know what I never touch once it's on my glove, <laughs> yeah. and I swing the club 120 times. Right. I'm not adjusting it after every swing. Why does a major league hitter have to adjust his batting gloves for five minutes every at bat? I think next time I'm going golfing, I'm going to do that. I'm going to adjust my glove. I'm going yeah, to stand up there. Yeah, well, you're not going to play with me because I'm not playing over six hours. <laughs> I, I think the rule changes. In all honesty, and I say this as somebody who has hated a lot of the things. I'm never going to buy into the magic runner rule in 10 innings. No, no, no. But I've hated a lot of the things, a lot of the initiatives that Rob Manfred has implemented. He gave the players a chance to, to do this on their own. Speed the game up. He gave the umpires a chance. Speed the game up. And when he didn't, he's like, screw it. We're not going to play three and a half hour, not any games anymore. We're not right. going to have as much standing around. I, I, I do not think Rob Manford likes baseball. I think he, for the most part, he has been a bad commissioner. For this, I applaud him. We are just a few days away from opening day. I am so excited. But I can't wait to be down at the ballpark again. I know that there's not a lot of people that seem to share that thought, but... I know that you're not one of them. I know that you're ready There's to be down at the ballpark, Look, too. man, I can, I can hammer the Reds for a lot of things as well. There is still nothing I enjoy more than a summer evening at GABP with an overpriced beverage watching a game. It's my favorite thing to do. And if it's not yours, it's okay. But it's still my favorite thing to do, and hopefully the team is uh, a little bit better this year. And that is where we are going to end today. Thank you, everybody, for coming out to listen to us talk some Reds baseball on opening day week. And that's where we're going to end. Mo, thank you very much, sir. I enjoyed it. Thanks. For listening to this edition of the Locked on Reds podcast, like I mentioned at the top, this is part two of our two-part conversation with Mo Egger from Fretboard Brewery on Monday night. Make sure, if you didn't hear the first one, check that one out. Uh, It's a great conversation talking about why the Reds are going to be better this season. But that's going to do it for us here today. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Baseball as Matt and Dom will help you win your league with the best draft strategies and waiver wire uh, look-ins each and every day. That's Locked On Fantasy Baseball, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms. As we move toward opening day, we've got the crossover with Locked On Pirates coming up tomorrow. We've got a lot of great content coming for you, so make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Make sure you've got that bell clicked so you can be notified when we have new stuff for you. But for me... And for Steve, who will be back with me tomorrow, we will be locked on Reds every single day.